Personally, I'm just a home brewer. I don't really distill spirits at all, and never really have. Few guys in the club do, and I've been getting a lot of interest in the subject. I also think that with the new advent of these electric homebrewing systems, it's easier than ever to get there. So I invited George Duncan from the Barley and Hops Brewing Channel to talk to me about it today on Homebrewing DIY. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on this show, like the tilt hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruisin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. 
and you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast, and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. Today we're talking to George Duncan of Barley and Hops Brewing. He's going to come over and talk to us all about distilling and how to get started. But first, I'd like to thank all of our supporters over at Patreon.com. You can be a supporter of the show if you head over to Patreon.com forward slash Homebrewing DIY. First, I'd like to personally thank our newest patron, Dwayne Eckert. He gave it the basic supporter level, and he's going to get a sweet gift from our sponsor, Scrubber Duckies. We actually have a couple of really amazing deals going on right now over at Patreon. If you give at the $1 level for the first 20 supporters, you're going to get access to our ad-free RSS feed and a logo sticker. And if you give at the $5 level, you'll get all of those as well as a gift from Scrubber Duckies. I'm actually down to my last few Scrubber Ducky sets that I can send out. So if you would like to get one of those, hop on it quick and give it the $5 level. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Another way you can support the show is by reviewing us. You can head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com and write us a review. All of your reviews are going to help others find the show, and it helps us rank higher on the Apple charts. Randomly, we did get a bunch of reviews last week, and it shot us up to number 65 in the food charts, which is kind of amazing. So I want to thank all the listeners for helping us make such a great milestone for the podcast. And then, of course, the last way you can support the show is by heading over to homebrewingdiy.beer and using the sponsor banners. In doing so, our sponsors then know that we sent you and then they support us. Click on the Brewfather link and sign up today, or you can use the Adventures in Homebrewing link. Both of those are going to help them know that we sent you and have them support the show. I don't know if you remember on episode number two, our guest, Aaron Bandler, he's actually my neighbor across the street, and he is a really great guy. He actually got a great piece of brewing equipment this last weekend. He bought a mash and boil system, and he was nice enough to let me use that system on Sunday for my brew day. So I went over to his house and grabbed it, brought it over, and used it brew in a bag style, and it worked great. I knocked out a New England IPA. I would say my one drawback is that, unlike propane, it did take me a little bit longer to get it up to a boil, and other than that, it was a pretty uneventful brew day. I will also add that I really like the convenience of going with an electric system because it snowed that day, and I got to stand in my garage with the door shut, so... That was something that was a very different experience for me brewing in the winter here in Denver, Colorado. But if you head over to Instagram, I got a couple of posts about the New England IPA that I made, and hopefully this time it will turn out. I tweaked my recipe just a bit. Like I said, I think I even talked about it in the last episode where I said that I 
used Pilsner malt instead of a Pale Ale malt, and I added some a, a lot more oats. I actually went all the way up to over 25% oats for this recipe. So far, it looks great. The color looks pretty spot on, and I'm actually starting my dry hop tomorrow in the middle of High Crucin, so I think it's going to end up being a pretty great beer. Well, I guess this is now a good time to segue into the show for today where I talked to George Duncan and we talked about the beginner's guide to home distilling. I'd like to welcome George Duncan to Homebrewing DIY. Hi, George. How are you doing? Oh, doing wonderful. Glad to be here as usual. Awesome. And if anybody hasn't heard of George Duncan, he's got this really great YouTube channel. I think they're they're now above fifty thousand subscribers. He's probably we just crossed we just crossed sixty k. Wow, that's yes. a big number. That yeah, is so, a that's amazing. Yeah, so he's uh, uh, corrected. He is now over oh. sixty thousand, and he's got a YouTube channel that covers a, a wide variety of subjects, spe- specifically around brewing beer distilling I, I think he's now becoming the foremost authority of, of distilling on youtube right now and uh i i'd like to maybe let, let's talk a bit about your community and the youtube channel you have and okay. uh and how how it's kind of grown and blossomed into what it is today all right well look i appreciate that in that intro and i think you give me a bit too much credit about being there um before going I don't, whatever it was you said i was <laughs> uh, yeah you know it's there you go it's old age is showing up on me um yeah with, with this is such a wonderful community and then again first of all i just want to say thanks to everybody out there who made this channel possible because we did it off the backs of us um we didn't no, no one's paid for anything we've taken nothing from anybody this this channel just grew on its own based on the interest of the community and um we spend a lot of time just trying to validate what we call, what we always say is we like to unlock the mysteries of home distilling. Uh, because you know as well as I do, um, even with home brewing, um, there's a certain amount of mystique about it. You know, it's like, well, I know how to do this. And, oh, I'll tell you everything I want you to know, but not everything you really need to know, you know. Um, and that happens way too often. And we do our very best to unlock the mysteries share information from the community uh, as well as share information with the community. So that's kind of it. Yeah. I I would say that when we talk about uh, YouTube community communities, you have probably one of the most active I've seen out there. People, you post a video, there's tons of feedback, tons of questions. You spend a lot of time answering questions from people uh, not even on your personal phone and your email, but really yeah. just in general on the on the channel. Yeah, but and, you know that is a, that is a key to anybody who's who has a YouTube channel. Make sure you check your comments. I mean, if if, if your community feels you know the love that they're going to leave you a comment, the least you could do is look at it. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, but you know, you you've been doing a lot of of distilling, I think is, is kind of become the main focus of your channel. Would you say now? It, yeah, it really has. It's, uh, it's kind of morphed itself into sort of like the natural progression, you know, from uh, wine making, beer making, you know, and, and believe it or not, I, my, my history starts, it kind of like reversed, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, the backwoods of Virginia. I often say, you know, our stop sign said, whoa, you know, um, uh, you know, I got my first store, but bought haircut when I was a junior and, 
in high school. Um, yeah, we were poor. Um, and so you know, I grew up around distilling and so did my whole family. So I didn't get into beer until years later. And then now I've kind of come full circle and it, it lends itself and it blends so perfectly with uh, the beer wine community that it's really transparent at this point because, I mean, heck, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're creating the alcohol, which is a long topic, um, and then we choose what to do with it at the very end. You know, it, we carbonate it, bottle it, or bottle it, uh, or separate it, um, and that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, there are some really good tried and true practices, and there's a lot of science behind it. Um, I always talk about it. I say it's a 10th grade science project. But unfortunately, um, you, we know how men are. We're going to we're going to outthink it because, you know, I don't care what the boiling point of water is. I, I'm going to try some way to trick it and do it a little differently. You know, I always say, too, that, look, there's no right way to do the wrong thing. You know, don't violate the principles. Um, have your own techniques, but just don't violate the principles. Man, everything will go OK. Yeah, I totally, totally agree, because even in beer brewing and as well with distilling, I would agree, I would think Mm. is that there's a lot of dogma out there and some of that dogma may not be backed up by science or experiment. It's just this is the way we've always done it or it's it's steeped in tradition. Right. And so I, I think that one of the cool approaches of your channel is that you dive into and do a lot of experiments. You guys do a, and you pull out the whiteboard and go through these experiments step by step with your community. And yeah. you do yeah. follow up videos on those experiments and really deep dive into what you're working on and come to really great conclusions. And and sometimes you throw out something that's super dogmatic. Sometimes it gets validated, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's a really great approach, even to brewing or distilling or really just any type of uh, uh, of making. Or I mean, you can even apply that to cooking. But the idea is that... Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But the idea yeah. is that I think that, you know, I think that that is kind of a, a great approach of your channel that uh, you don't see when people are giving instruction on home brewing or distilling They're, they usually just talk it through of these are the steps you take and don't yeah, it's sort of like yeah you throw this in you do that you turn you, know, you turn this way yeah i got it. i understand i'll call uh, cover, uh you know this this kind of brings up a good point because um and, and not to detract from the channel because the I'm in love with the community and the channel and everything's going really well. But, you know, in that channel itself, you would not believe the number of new distillers or new brewers that just kind of pop in and go, hey, I'm brand new to this. I'm glad I found your channel. Um, I need some help. Absolutely. I, I, and I've noticed that you've recently done a really great series for the new distiller that's uh, kind of like a step-by-step guide, right? Yeah, we did. A, um, we, we called the Beginner's Guide to Home Distilling, and it's... Uh, I say it's 11, but it's actually 12 videos because the last one is part one, part two. Uh, but what we try to do is we try to take a step by step and go, OK, look, it, we, we either know absolutely nothing or we're a beer brewer because our, there's the, the basic equipment, you know. And first of all, you know, you, it, I don't want to say people want to do it on the cheap. But I, of course, you don't want to break the bank. OK, I got that. But remember, you do get what you pay for. Um, and there are some substitutes that are, are adequate, but then there are some that are just not. And I always answer the question. Uh, don't ask me if I should uh, or don't ask me if I could ask me if I should, um, which is a totally different question. Um, 
So, but what we do is we walk through this process and we're like, okay, look, you, you, you need buckets of, of some sort, some type of fermenters. And we explain what that equipment is because it's really basic equipment. You're talking about a couple of buckets, some airlocks, um, a hydrometer, and we, you know, discuss what a hydrometer does. You know, it's our measurement tool. You know, and then we just go right into, you know, how does the still actually work? Uh, and then we talk about, and this is the ones, these are the ones that I think are really, really beneficial is we do a separate video on yeast to describe all the different yeast strains. Then we do one on sugars, um, and we actually get down to a scientific approach and on a molecular level to a degree uh, on sugars and then water. Um, and then after that, it's sort of like bringing it all together, you know. So if someone were to watch these um, at the very end, I mean, no, you're not going to have a degree in distilling, but you'll walk away from it and go, God, I think I got it, you know. Yeah, you, you should be able to watch these 12 videos, go through the steps, and as long as you make the investment in getting your equipment, or if you already have some of the equipment laying around, yeah. you should be able to at least make a spirit, right? Exactly. Now, now, but there's a caveat to that, because I want to I want to be cautious. Um, I get so many emails, of course, and phone calls. It's, um, it, you know, first of all, we got the folklore out there about methanol stuff. I got a couple of videos on that. We even go through history to, to try to describe a lot of stuff, history, uh, science um, uh, and a lot of other things. But uh, then there's the oh, well, I just use a pressure cooker and I put a three eighths copper line in it. Now, here's the question. Will it work? Yes. Um, is it efficient? No. Um, my, my point being is that, you know, you, you can disappoint yourself up front by getting a pressure cooker. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're, you go through everything that we try to, you know, explain. And then you make your mash and now it's your equipment that's going to fault you, not you, but your equipment. Uh, and then you run the still and you're like, I mean, I'm, I'm getting like 60 proof. I mean, I mean, what? What the heck is this? I mean, it, you know, and all of a sudden you're turned off and you're not failing because you've done something wrong. You're you're actually failing because your equipment is failing you. You know, if you follow me. Yeah. To me, it seems like and and <clears throat> this comes from somebody I've never I'm going to be very clear. I've never distilled anything before. I will mm -hmm. be upfront. But from knowing the process a bit and, mm -hmm. and understanding science a bit mm -hmm. to me. Distilling, because the boiling point of alcohol and the evaporation point of alcohol is so much lower than water, right? Mm -hmm. There is a certain level of fine-tuning the temperature on the Absolutely. hot side and the cold side, to me, that would need to have a certain piece of equipment that you would, whatever that equipment is, that needs to be very accurate in the fact mm -hmm. that you have a certain steaming point because once you start bringing the water vapor into the alcohol vapor, you're going to lose efficiency and you're going to have a lower proof. That is, am I right? Am I going down the right idea there? Well, you're, you're, you, man, you are definitely in the ballpark, but okay. we've got a, a couple of misnomers there if, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, one of it, uh, proof has everything to do with process equipment okay so you got to talk about efficiency a three-eighths hole where you're trying to push vapor through um is very restrictive okay um and then with pressure every time you increase pressure uh, what happens your boiling point drops so now you've got now, now you're chasing temperatures in your kettle uh you need to have an opening where you can transfer uh vapors out uh the next thing is you don't a, a thermometer 
at the head of your column or at the top of your still, wherever the, we call the point of no return where your vapors depart is the best place to put it because that's where you want to know what the temperature is. And you can control the temperature by several different means. Uh, but that's one way to become really efficient with it and also have some really, really great results. But again, I, I, I hearken back to the um, kind of do some research and, 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 you know, be cautious because a lot of people think that, well, if I got a low ABV mash, uh, then I'm just going to get a low proof. Well, there could not be a difference greater than proof coming out of a still and ABV of mash going into the still. They are not even, they don't even compare. You follow me? Yeah, because you're just going to have less actual alcohol because there's less exactly. alcohol. Exactly. But the proof would be the same. Right. Yeah, the, it, it would be the same if your process is fine-tuned. And you're right about that. You've got to be able to fine-tune it. And you've got this, what they call an azeotropic blend. you got water and ethanol, okay? Water's 212, ethanol's like 173. But when you put them together, they're a, negative, uh, um, they're a positive azeotrope. So that means that the boiling point is lower than the lowest constituent. So it's right below ethanol. It's like 171.8. Okay, that's what happens. Um, and then, but the majority of your vapor is filled with ethanol, and less of it is filled with water. And over a period of time, those two lines start to intersect and come back together until you get to the very end where the vapor of ethanol and water are equal. You're you're way way at the end of the run collecting tails. Okay, that makes total sense. So. Let's talk about if I I've never distilled before and okay. I and I'm sure a lot of people listen to this show are mainly homebrewers and have never yeah. distilled before as well and, and but have been thinking about it. And we're now at a time where there's lots of these electric breweries out there like the Grainfather and the the Bruzilla and the Mash and Boil and they're pretty inexpensive. Like for example, for about three or four hundred dollars, I can have a pretty amazing electric brewery that used to be multiple of thousands of dollars to achieve, right? You're absolutely and, right. Yeah. And so with the this this advent of cheaper electric brewing and the ability to get a top that is already pre-made that can turn mm -hmm. that into a still, mm -hmm. I think that distilling it at least is is more accessible than it's ever been. And you're so, absolutely right. It's I way, want, way more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so what I want to do is maybe say, hey, I've never distilled before. I've got a small electric brewery and, and or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Or, or I just want to get into distilling. Mm -hmm. um, what is what would you say I would do to get started? I have either am brand new and have no equipment or I have maybe a basic homebrewing setup like a brew in a bag setup or something mm -hmm. like that. What what would it take for me to get into distilling, and and what would be the approach I I should take to do it right? Okay, um, yeah, if you if you are if you already have brewing equipment, you've got all you need, with the exception of the proof and trail hydrometer, because we use that to test the proof, the spirits, and for distillation. And of course, you need a still. I mean, that's really it. Uh, so you're only adding one more or yeah, two more items to your repertoire, um, and I mean that could be. You know, the uh, it could be the Turbo 500, which is a you know turn it on, turn it on, uh, get it, adjust it, and forget it, uh, which is really simple. I mean, the thing will pump out 180 proof from start to finish, um, which because it's it's designed to be a reflux still, and that's all it does. You know, um, there, there's a bunch of Chinese knockoffs. Be cautious, though. Again, if you if you look at it, if you go online and you see a five gallon still with a thumper and a coiled uh, 
evaporator and it's 126 dollars man run as fast as you can away from it <laughs> you know come on i mean be realistic you know it's like it's like walking on your a, a new car lot and the guy wants 200 dollars for a brand new car you're like yeah something wrong yeah and and you know? it and it's gonna be some there there yes it will be there and it may get the job done but there will be inherently some design flaw that's Absolutely. the thing i found with most of the chinese stuff that is yeah yeah expensive. yeah i mean now and now there are some there are some good asian um products out there and i've done a couple of reviews on them i got one that did it was, i thought was excellent um and i mean that one worked out really well and i think it cost me like 280 bucks as a nine gallon um so still i'm into it for less than 300 bucks you know um, and a lot of times when I do a review like that, I'll buy the equipment. Um, and then I wind up giving it away or something, <laughs> um, or stored it. I got, I got stills all over the place culture. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, it, it, it's almost, it's, it's almost a passion. You know, one of these days I have a museum, but uh, uh, you, and if you're listening to the show and you've never <laughs> been to George's channel, you should yeah. see his shop. It's, it's definitely the, I call it the mad scientist layer, layer oh. of uh, distilling. Oh man. It's fun. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you, it's fun out here. I spend all day out here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but uh, that's, that's kind of all you really need. Now there are some products out there in, I mean, um, in order to give a good shout out, Brewhouse, Brewhouse.com is a good reputable company as well as mile high distilling. Um, they they both use 304 stainless steel. They've got excellent products. As a matter of fact, their parts are interchangeable. Um, so, um, you know, you can go on there. You can pick up a, a three-gallon on like Mile High, a three-gallon Mighty Mini combination pot reflux still. You can do both uh, for still less than 300 bucks. And, um, I mean, look, in three gallons, if you run that, you're going to get, you know, two quarts of 180 proof. Uh, you're going to wind up making four bottles. Uh if you need to make a whole lot more than four bottles, you, you may need to just go get you a bigger spill, you know? <laughs> and, and to be honest, you have to really think about if if I, and this is me personally, if yeah. I'm going to be distilling something, four bottles of liquor, I, I don't go through four bottles of liquor in a year, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's the, the difference between liquor and beer is, yeah. is so vast. Yeah. Um, and, and I have a friend down the street. He makes a, he'll he'll start off with about five gallons on his first runnings right and then yeah. by the time he's done he's like i end up with like a half gallon when i'm done yeah, and yeah. so it, it's kind of and, and he's like and it's plenty of booze trust me <laughs> oh yes it is yeah it's sure yeah. yeah but you know i mean but the, the, i don't know it's the thing about it is you know for, for guys in particular you know old guys like us you know she, uh, you like to sit out in the shed you know get your friends over and it, for some reason you get a still running and we'll sit and stare at it dripping We'll just stare at it. It's like mesmerizing. We don't know why, but <laughs> you just can't help it, you know? So you, you run it just because it's fun. It's a novelty, you know? It's the, there's the allure, um, you know? And, and then, of course, you have all of the, the variations of, uh, again, watch our videos. We've got a lot of information there about what you can do to it, you know? Cutting, finishing, aging, um, making gin, making rum, uh, making a clean vodka, uh, making limoncello. Um, Gosh, I mean, the list is almost endless. And oh, by the way, you really you are only held back by your imagination. Yeah, you know, you you talked about cutting in there, right? And I think mm -hmm. that that's something that is right to me personally a big mystery. If I were to start out, I don't even know what that means. So, oh, okay, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. What 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 does cutting mean? Like, uh, okay, if you're yeah. running a process, good. If you're 
do it George's way. If you're doing if if you're doing it what I would consider proper and you're and you're efficient at it, um, you're going to draw off. If you run the pot still, you're going to draw. You'll start at 160 proof, okay, and it'll pr- progressively go down to. And I stop at 100 proof. Uh, if you're going to run a reflux still, you'll start off at 180 or 190 proof, and it'll stay there uh, throughout the run uh, until it gets to the end. Um, now, the commercial standard is like 80 proof. So if you're drinking a bourbon, uh, but wild turkey's 101, and people run away from wild turkey because it's way too strong. So cutting is the process of taking your finished spirit that you run out of the still, which is really, really concentrated, and then adding a mixing agent. And normally we would add either spring water, stilled water. Um, you can use juices. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. And oh, by the way, Barley Hops has, we got apps that will help you work your way through that. I mean, go figure, you know, we're moving into the century. But we got some apps that'll help you figure that out. But and it, it does it by volume. You know, what's your proof? And how much? How much do you? Want, what it is now? What you want it to be? And how much you got? Okay, pour this much in. And then boom, Bob, your uncle, you're there. But cutting is the the process of reducing the strength of the alcohol to a drinkable, consumable, uh, enjoyable level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, it's it's kind of like when you have bourbons that are barrel proof, you know that they haven't really cut them, right? And they're uh, just pulling it right out of a barrel, putting it in a bottle, and they usually are well above a hundred proof, right? They're they're usually there, like 120, are, 130. Yeah, there are some, not not many that are that high. Believe it or not, uh, it, you'll find it hard. It, you may find some specialties that are one hundred ten. 115 okay. specialties, but anything above that is um, you won't find much of a commercial desire okay. for that because it's just that strong. Yeah. And, and well, the other thing is, is that you get to a certain strength and it just burns, right? You, you oh, kind of lose yeah. flavor. Yeah. There ain't enough smoothing in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and one thing that I've heard a lot of, and it's a question that I don't know the answer to is I hear things about head, tails and hearts. And yeah, and, yeah. So, wh- what are those? Oh, right. What, what, wow, this is a long. Of course, I got a video on that, but I'm giving you give it to you down and dirty. Okay, you have cer- certain cuts within your in your process. At the very beginning, you have four shots. Four shots in a. In, this is sort of like the equivalent in a five gallon mess. Four shots are really going to be your methanol, if there is any. Okay, there is very very little in a short. Uh, there's still very, very little. Now, and George, I'll go online and say this: you could not produce enough methanol in a still to hurt yourself or anybody else. So, dispel that rumor right up front, okay? Okay. Because remember, you're going to make your alcohol the same way you make beer or wine. The only difference is, is in a still, you take the first two ounces and throw it away because you know it's methanol. But you leave it in the wine and you leave it in the beer. I mean, what the hell? Right. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So that's your first two ounces. After that, on on average, about four to six ounces are what we call our heads, and our heads are that we're talking about a five gallon. Okay. Our heads are filled with some of those separate level alcohols, uh, and you'll be able to notice them because they'll be really, really high proof at the very beginning. Like in a pot still, you'll probably be at one hundred seventy proof, and that will, after about four to six ounces, that will drop. To like 160 proof, which is unreal. I mean, you're like, how could it drop that fast? Well, it dropped that fast because now you're in the heart. 
And that's the stuff you want to keep. Now, remember we talked about that, oh, that curve, that azeotropic curve of yep. the blend of ethanol and water? Yep. Okay, as we start to move our way across the scale, and now and I pick 204 degrees and 100 proof. That's where I stop. And I do that because I know that based scientifically, if I look at the scale, there is a drastic change in the volume of ethanol, which is dropping because it's on the back end of the run, and the water, which is increasing. And, oh, by the way, since the volume's changing, it takes a little more energy to make that separation. So it's a little hotter. And guess what? That's the perfect environment for your tails to start spitting out. So I stop so that I never get to my tails because I George just doesn't like collecting tails. I, don't, I have no use for them. Um, and again, I'm not going to run a still for an extra hour to collect a quart of tails. Okay. You follow me? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like uh, if you're trying to get every last drop possible out of a batch, you could go that road. But if you've got a still, what's the point, right? It's, exactly. It's kind, you're not going to drink it. And you're not going to mix with because, hey, the and oh, by the way, when you're cutting, and people need to know this. If you're cutting your shine and you pour water in it, you're getting it down. You start at 140 proof and you pour water in, you're cutting it down to 80 and it starts to turn cloudy. Guess what? That's the first indication that you got tails in. Okay. Yeah. yeah you collected too long and you, you collected tails and you didn't know it. Uh, you can tell tails because normally they will smell like wet cardboard. You can feel them. They feel like there's an oily sheen. You can actually see it dripping in the jar if you look really, really close. Um, uh, but when you start to cut them, what happens is, is they are oils. They're oil-based. They're called fusel oils. And because they are transparent in a high-alcohol environment, when you reduce that alcohol environment, themselves to water molecules and become long-chain. And, oh, by the way, boom, boom, bingo. And there's nothing to do but rerun it. Sorry. Wow, that's 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 crazy. I've that's, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. I hope that was helpful. I mean, no, super helpful. Yeah. Uh, so, still kind of talking about, you know, if I've, I've never distilled before, why don't you just explain to me what the distilling process is? I, I know we kind of bounced all over the place so far, but I think that that's okay. something good to talk about. Like, you know, obviously there's a mash involved. Yeah. And then yeah. let's say we, we've mashed and we've got some alcohol. What is actually happening in a still? all the way to where it's dripping out the other side. What's okay. going on there? Oh, very good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great one. Uh, now, remember, if, if you're a beer brewer, you'll, you'll understand this a whole lot more because it's exactly, or a winemaker, it's exactly the same process. Uh, you need a fermenter, which is normally a, like a seven-gallon bucket, eight-gallon bucket, whatever, however size you need um, for whatever size mash you're going to make. Now, you make a mash. You, uh, it all depends. You know, of course, in beer, we call it wort uh, in uh, wine, we call it lees, right? I mean, or must. I mean, what we give it all different names for the different communities, but it's all the same thing. Uh, you go through your fermentation process and you follow your hydrometer. And I look for a starting gravity of about 1.090. That that would that would leave me with, if fully fermented, about oh, 12 and a half, 13 percent alcohol by volume. Okay, and just a quick question to interject here. So the kind of yeah. kinds of yeast generally you're using are going to be a little more alcohol tolerant than like an ale yeast, right? Right, exactly. Okay. I'll, I'll use distillers active dry yeast. Um, you know, sometimes you may have to augment. It, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, there's a long discussion about that. You may have to augment it uh, if you run into some challenges. But 
if you're if you're taking care of and oh by the way a, a pound of distiller's active dry yeast which will last you about 50 batches is like 20 bucks so it's dirt cheap now very <laughs> different than brewer's yeast very different yeah you're spending four to seven bucks for a package of yeast at 11 grams we're getting a whole pound okay um <laughs> yeah uh, no, awesome. uh, the, the fermentation process done, and you check it with your hydrometer, of course, and then, of course, you degas it just like you would wine, and then you clarify it. Now, you can clarify it a couple different ways. You can use bentonite, sparkaloid. Sound familiar? Yep, wine. Uh, absolutely. Uh, um, you can use Instaglass. Uh, it, whatever you want to use, um, I, I like to use TurboClear because it comes, it's Kia Salt Cheetah Sand, and it clears it out in like 24 to 48 hours. Uh, and now you've got your mash, wash, whatever you want to call it, ready. Um, and then you set the still up and you transfer that into the still without sucking up any of the sediment on the bottom. And then you find a means to heat that. Now, you can either use propane. Um, you can use wood. They used to do that a long time ago. And that's, oh, by the way, where the thumper came from. So the thumper was used initially to control heat. Okay, because if okay. if I looked over and said, "Hey, Coulter, man, this thing's got hey, drop ten degrees," you're like, "How many logs do I take?" Oh no, just start jerking them out. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, so yeah, they like put a thumper in the middle of it to control temperature. People think there's a again the allure you need a thumper. Uh, please stay away from it. Uh, that's just my advice. Okay, <laughs> um, so you get this thing heated up and it starts to heat up. You bring it up to about 145. 145 is where your methanol starts to vaporize now remember we've got that ethanol water mixture so we know that right at about 172 ish or so 173 somewhere up in that neighborhood your ethanol is going to come out well i usually run still at like 165 and stop i just turn the heat off or adjust the heat i use pid controllers because they're just so predictable and they're precise but yeah you know, precise to a tenth of a degree they do not move. absolutely yeah. and i just hold it there for like 10 minutes you know and anything that comes out is is done i mean it's it's either four shots or hits i, I don't and then i bring it up to 173 and from then on i'm collected you know <clears throat> so and you do that in what you're looking for your output on a standard still of a two inch column three inch column where you've got a big bowl on the top and you've got a worm coming off should be uh, dribble, dribble, spur, dribble, dribble, spur. You know, um, not like you see on moonshiners where, you know, it's just it's coming out like somebody turned a hose on. Yeah. Yeah. You should be able to collect on a two-inch column, you should be able to run a five-gallon uh, mash in about four hours. On a three-inch column, I can run that in about two hours. So, you know, as the column gets larger, remember we talked about efficiency. When yep. the column gets a little bit larger, your efficiency goes skyrocketing, and the time it takes to make that separation and transfer drops dramatically. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And then basically, what what spits out the other out the other side is a neutral spirit. And once yep. you have that neutral spirit, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can make whiskey Anything. out of it. You can make vodka out of it. You oh. mentioned limoncello. You 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 just can go brandy you can go nuts with it right yeah you can go you can go back crazy with it yeah and i'll be i'll be careful because i know this is a podcast <laughs> you can yeah. go back i call it that crazy 
<laughs> yeah, so that, that 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 I think that was a really great walkthrough, just kind of explaining um, the the temperatures and what happens yeah. um, in distilling, and really, Colter, you know, if if I spent one evening with you, um, I could save you all the challenge. I'll go, Courtney, you know, it's, I mean, it would be fun. You know, spent one evening with you and said, okay, let's start here. Let's go from here. You have we got the map still. By the time we got done, all the collection jars, and we look at each other and do the self high five, and then you know a double high five. I'm like. You got any questions? You'd be like, dude, I got this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then from then on, from then on, you're just fine tuning. I mean, you know, now now you're looking for those efficiencies that, you know, we talked about and you're getting the OC because I'm a believer in if I know everything that I could possibly know, I'm that you're never going to know everything. But if I know like sugar, if I know that, you know, you got glucose, sucrose and fructose, you know, and I know that yeast eat glucose first and I know that I can invert the sugar. Um, so I got high fructose because sucrose, they don't like to eat because they got to work really hard to break it down. I mean, so if I can break, if I know everything about a topic, um, should something go wrong in my distilling process or my brewing process, I can generally sit back and look at it and go, oh, that, that, that's the problem. Let me go fix that, fix that. And everything's back to normal, you know? Exactly. I you know, one of the things that uh, we talk about on the show all the time is some of the DIY projects that we do. Yeah. Um, actually, that's how we found you on the show. Uh, you made that amazing uh, oh, cooler out of your out of your uh, AC unit, and then uh, yes. used it for, and it was part of your distilling process. You were using it to yep. it, to cool down uh, to get. So you had your vapor. You're using the cooler to get it to convert to back into liquid, right? Yeah. And yep. uh, and using the AC unit meant you didn't have to like fill it with ice and waste a bunch of ice, right? It, exactly. And I was, I was, I was recycling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that so, thing worked. I'll tell you what, man, that thing works. It, it's a beautiful thing. It's a little bit big, but you know, it's 94. So it's more than I really, <laughs> it's more than I really need. I I'll go big or go home. You know, I, said, I, I got it. It works perfect. Hey, it's efficient, right? It's, it's, it it's, is. It, it gets it down and boom. And I, I was at a buddy's house. Uh, he was actually distilling in, in, I live in Denver, Colorado. It had just snowed and he he just had a cooler filled with snow. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, take advantage. Take advantage of what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, now, exactly. Um, my, the, the guy I work with really closely, Mark from down in Houston area, um, he's come up with a radiator style um, cooling system. That is similar to what I've done, but it's on a much smaller scale with two small radiators that are probably about wide by 15 inches tall, you know, and with fans on them. And he's run his still several times, and he's able to maintain a cooling temperature that rivals um, just about anything that comes out of the faucet. Um, So, you know, that's another one of them ideas for the future, you know, we're kind of working on not marketable, but is it is it effective and efficient enough to share? You know, you don't want to share something that's junk. You know, uh, exactly. By, yeah, but I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, what Mark does is not junk. Uh, but you know, we're trying to fine tune its applicability. Yeah, well, and you do a ton of amazing ah. DIY projects on your show, and your your con, like you said, you once you've kind of got them dialed, you then share them with the community and kind of go through how to be, how you what you went through to build it. You yeah. shared something yeah. with me today, and I I want to talk about it because this thing okay. is super cool. Yeah. Uh, you shared to me with me today, and I'm pulling it up here on my on my computer, and, and, and it's an image. And just for those who are listening, I'm actually going to post a, a photo of this on on the show notes. If you head over to homebrewingdiy.beer 
look under this show and on the show notes on the website. Uh, I'll have a photo of this uh, project that uh, George has built. And this thing is cool. It's it's a prototype, but it is. I'm gonna say, tell me if I got this right. It's an audible proof and trail hydrometer that you made for uh, some of your blind list. The some of the people that are blind that actually are 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 part are are part of your community. The blind distillers, absolutely. Yeah, blind distillers, and this thing is super cool. It's it's a hydrometer that basically, if I tell me if I got it right actually calls out the numbers audibly to someone who can't see so that they know what their, you know, their proof and trail hydrometer readings are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. That's exactly what it does. And it does it on, it it does it on an over. And of course we don't, we put a button on it. If you get tired of listening to the voice, you just push it and it shuts up. Um, You know, and then you're like, I really want to know what I want to do now. You push, starts talking again. Yeah, so I'm curious, what what is in this thing? Like, what how did how did you get it to do it audibly? How did you get it to get the readings? Like, I know this was a project, and what was that process like? And how did you kind of get oh, there? Yeah, let me, oh, I love talking about this, and I'll try to make this as short as possible because what I want to do is I want to be able to share this our YouTube video, and I try, I promise to everybody I will. Uh, you just got to give me time to get there because it is compl- it, no for me it's complicated. Okay, for you it won't be when I get there. Um. Of, of course, it was born out of the for a hydrometer that speaks so that our blind community can hear it. And, oh, you just are, you know, are seeing impaired or, you know, hell, we got lazy guys that just they want to hear it. You know, it, it, it works for anybody and everybody. Plus, there's a window, so you just want to see it anyway. But uh, what we did was we, we worked with Arduino. Now, you know, if, if you're familiar with Arduino, our, and oh, by the way, this is a work prototype that is right now in the state of florida i think the only one in the world and it's being utilized i put it through its its paces here and couldn't fail it and it's down there being abused and i'm loving it now we use an arduino that interfaces with our regular world you know and so what we can do is we can use sensors um, and i thought about a lot of different rfid tagging i thought about sound um and what i came up with i said i need something that is accurate but is simple and simple enough that I can control with a small microprocessor. So I use an Arduino Uno or you can use the Nano. Um, it works on or the Mega, which is a huge one, but it'll work on all of them. Um, and I use a time of flight sensor. And this is for anybody out there who's interested. Uh, you can catch this. This is a VL50L1X. Okay, VL53L1X. Uh, and they're available. I mean, they're like three bucks. Uh, and what you do is you mount this in the of the col- of the of the tube that goes on top. And the measurements are like uh, two hundred centimeters tall. It's really cool. Um, what this thing does is it shoots a laser. Now I was going to use sound, but I knew that sound is affected by humidity. Um, so I, I didn't want any variations in it. So, but light is not. So this shoots out a radar light a beam that goes down and it hits the top of the hydrometer and comes back and it, it measures the time it took that light beam to go down and reflect back. Wow. And then it goes through the Arduino. Arduino goes, well, I'll be doggone. It is like, what? Okay. That's 112 proof. 112 <laughs> proof. I mean, it'll keep going until that changes. 
That is so awesome. And so are you planning on, you know, putting out all of the plans for this, keeping it open source? Is that is that the plan? Absolutely. Yeah. And, this, and the reason, yeah, that's, that's why I say uh, give me give me time because it, the, the complicated portion of that is not really the build. It is sharing with the community or like on GitHub, uh, the yep. libraries that you can go to. Because I just want somebody to be able to you know, go click this, load it, boom, it's done, it works, you know. Uh, instead of you trying to go through the like 35 days that Mark and I said painlessly, um, and I'll tell you, Mark is a godsend. I mean, you know that a proof and trail hydraulic, the difference between zero proof and 10 proof is probably about three millimeters. Well, the difference between 160 proof and 170 proof is about, oh, about 35 millimeters. You follow me? So the yep. scale is skewed. So he had to develop algorithms that took the upper middle lower um and based on what the yeah he's a lot smarter than i am <laughs> and, and, yeah and so he talked me through it and we did the back and forth this um man it was a great thing and then then i just recorded voice and i put that on a, an sd card reader that attaches to the arduino and you just tell it from an open arduino no uh, users know this you go from pin number 10 and you tell it you want it to speak and it just reaches in there and it grabs it. It goes, okay, speak this. And it does. So it's, it's an amazing, and I know I make it, I'm simplifying it to a degree, uh, but the, the, what we had to overcome to get to the point is what now makes it simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, we're doing it an audio podcast and, and to really talk about, you know, code or something like that on audio podcast right. is tough. Right. I, actually talking about it at, at a high level is really good because it helps people visualize what this is, what this, what this piece of equipment does and, and yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of the detail that really went into yeah. it. Right. I mean, the idea that you're taking a light sensor and having it uh, check the level in there and based oh, on that yeah. level, it's be able to read back to you is, is really a great approach. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Super cool. And, and I'd, like, I'd like everybody to know as well, too, is that when I get these published, I don't want you to be afraid of it, okay? Um, if you've never touched an Arduino board, even if you follow the videos, you go screw <laughs> You can have a wire in the wrong place, and, ain't gonna work, and, you're gonna, and it's going to work. When you're done, uh, and I'll explain it in as, as much detail as necessary, but you'll feel comfortable and go, wow, I wonder what else I can do. Now I am programming. I understand Arduino. And I understand how to interface with. My goodness, man! I could put lights on the porch. Uh, I could put a sensor out front. Tell me when my truck pulls. I mean, there's it's unlimited to what you could potentially do. Absolutely, and and I'm actually I'll be a I'll testament to that. You know, my first project was I, I made a, a, a brew pie for my my fermentation chamber back in 2014. It was my first Arduino project, right? Uh, found yeah. some really good instructions that needed little to no soldering, right? It was uh, it yeah. was something I could do with some wire nuts. I did end up doing some soldering in the end on the first project, but you could it was approachable at that level. And mm -hmm. going through that project actually helped me get a passion for it. And if you saw my my tubs and tubs of parts yeah. of processors now laying around my house, you would understand yeah. that like wow, it's turned into a thing. It, it is kind of a hobby in itself, the electronics and stuff. But the cool thing is, is in 2020, 
and really for the last 10 years ever since they came out with things like the arduino and the raspberry pi yeah we're we're now able to build the kinds of electronics that you you know an internet of things types devices that you could have only got spit out of a factory 20 years ago exactly yeah. And so, you know, these types of things are so approachable and you're seeing the benefits of that. Specifically, you see a lot in distilling and brewing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you see things like the ice spindle. You see things like the craft beer pie. You see things yep. like the the brew pie. Um, you know, a project like you've made here, which is this, uh, you know, your audible proof and trail hydrometer. Yep. Um, but but the idea is that, you know, you you can come up with a problem and chances are somebody has solved that problem maybe for another application and Absolutely. you can find it on GitHub and then turn it into something that's your own. It, it's really a cool, like if you're, if you're a, a tinkerer like me and I know you're a tinkerer, um, you're, you're now in a place where uh, these electronics have really overcome some problems that, you know, you can do mechanically. Right. And so it, it's, yeah. it's just really a cool time to be part of something like that. And, oh, it really is. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a, year old country boy if i can do it <laughs> anybody can do it you know and you mentioned ice spindle too because i'm in the midst of building the ice spindle you know and you go if you go to me uh, too me open, too i'm in the open source in the middle, distilling yeah yep yeah i'm in the but, middle of building one too and i'm using his same instructions on open source distilling I, maybe i need to get him on the show <laughs> yeah that would be that and, and yeah and, and let him know how much i appreciate because i'm gonna do a video on it i'm all the credit because he deserves it but I mean, I've got it right here in my hand, man. My batteries showed up today. I mean, I've got everything in there. All I got to do is see. I already know this. All I got to do is flash the uh, Arduino in here, the the microprocessor. I mean, and then calibrate it, and it should work. So the yeah. jury's out. But I yeah, got so it. I I did build mine. Um, mine actually, I've had some problems with my my. It's not an Arduino. It's an ESP eighty two sixty six. My my microcontroller would not take the flash and then oh. i because you know with those there are two dollars sometimes you get a bad one it's just kind of yeah, part yeah. of it yeah and yeah. i got a bad one and then i had to unsolder uh, unsolder the uh the the sp off of the board again and then i mm-hmm. damaged the board and now i've got to start over but that's part of the deal and i'm out yeah. about a total of about seven dollars so it's not a yeah. big exactly there i am out of a little bit of time and just getting it back together but it's still i had a great time doing it it was a fun project and i know what's wrong with it i know what i need to do to fix it but i am in the middle of an ice spindle as well oh super man that's that's great i'm I'm glad to hear somebody else out there playing with it too man matter of fact i ordered a bunch of the stuff right when i started ordering i was like yeah give me six of those and give me six of them and six of them and the reason i did that is because from my experience i do like what you just talked about i screw one of them up and i'm like oops I don't have to reorder. I say, okay, I just go get another one and start exactly. over. Exactly. And I'll eventually exactly. get one right. I'm like, okay. Believe it or not, like you said, it's worth the seven bucks that I paid for the thing. Yeah. Well, and I think the I think the total <coughs> amount of parts for an ice spindle is like twenty five bucks. It's it's yeah. not that it's so, expensive. Yeah. It, it does have a little bit of know how, but it's even gotten easier. Uh, I've been following that project since I found it on a German website back in 2014. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, cool. I, I, but I, I never pulled the trigger on one. I actually, I have a tilt hydrometer. That is actually what I use on my day to day. You like that? Oh, I love it. It's great. Uh, couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, yep. And I uh, actually one, would. Re- I'm going to say I would actually recommend the tilt over the ice spindle for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. A, um, the the tilt hydrometer actually uses Bluetooth low energy, and because of that, it's very efficient uh, power wise. And mm-hmm. 
my battery just died on mine and I bought mine in 2017. So uh, yeah. and and the battery's three dollars on Amazon to replace. I, I'm actually yeah, yeah. it's yeah. in the middle of a brew and it died, so I have to replace uh, it now. Uh, oh but, yeah. Shucks. Yeah, yeah, not a big deal. But it's it's you know, I I, I now have to bust out my hydrometer. Oh well. Yeah. And then uh but then the other piece that I, I like about it as well is that uh, you know it's out of the box ready to go, and there's a lot yeah. of software that works for it out of the box. Like your Brewfather can interface with uh, iSpindle, not iSpindle. Oh. It does yeah. interface with iSpindle as well, but yeah. it can interface with the uh, tilt, the tilt hydrometer right out of yeah. the box, and it yeah. also will interface with things like Ferment Track. It will also ferment uh, interface with a lot of the other uh, Brewer's Friend. I know it does. So the idea is that it's just it's really an open platform for that type yeah. of thing, even though it's a commercial product. So um, right. just throwing it out there, the tilt hydrometer, I highly recommend. That being mm-hmm. said, um, I also can't beat a nice spindle for about twenty dollars worth of parts. So there you go. Yeah, and maybe yeah. the next time, maybe the next time that we talk, I'll be able to give you some uh, feedback. Uh, how well it worked or not um because yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited about getting it going and, and trying to and run it through its paces because I, I try to make once it gets something made like try to make it fail you know that's the whole idea about testing and hey uh, maybe maybe we'll do here's what we're gonna do george for the next show night next time i have you on the show we're gonna yeah. compare what our processes were of getting our ice spindles to work <laughs> man that's a great idea i i we're gonna have you back when you get yours up and we'll have we'll when I get mine up and then we're going to just talk through what we went through to get through it. And that, that could sound, actually be an episode. <laughs> sounds like a, you're right. That could be a heck of an episode. Tell you what. Yeah, that's, that's great. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm we're, we're running out of time here for the show. So I, I want to, yeah. we'll, we'll wrap it up. But, uh, George, I want to, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Oh. I, I gotta be honest. I love having you on the podcast. You, you, you're such a, a wealth of knowledge and as well, you're just, you know, uh, I I love your approach to distilling and 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 brewing in general. It, it's just you're such a great person to talk to. So I oh, love I having you on the show, and I, I I thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy day to come over and talk to you know me and my listeners. Um, we we really appreciate it. Not a problem, my friend. Anytime, if you ever need me, a holler. I'm always here. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, George. Thank you. I want to thank George for coming on this week's show. It's always great to have him, and I really love having him on the podcast. I will put a link to his YouTube channel in our show notes, so head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and check it out. I'll also put a link to his distilling series for beginners. Other than that, check us out on our social media. Look for at homebrewingdiy on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And we'll see you next week on Homebrewing DIY.